Welcome back to the episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Torrid, Care of, and Beachbody. Great products and brands you'll hear about later. How you guys doing? It's raining in LA. It's so rare and it makes it so difficult to get out of bed. I'm actually a morning person, but for whatever reason, the waking up lately, at least in the winter, it's like my room's so dark that I can't tell the difference between 7 a.m. and like 10 a.m., and the rain is not helping. It's just too cozy. Or perhaps it's the large amounts of butter in my stomach that are making me extra cozy and lazy. Yes, I said it, large amounts of butter, because Rachel Nicole O'Brien is attempting the keto diet, but I'm almost 100% sure I am doing it wrong at this point. Uh, so if there's any keto diet aficionados that can help me figure out what I'm doing wrong... Yes, probably a stick of butter a day is too much. I totally get it. But when I read like how to do the diet, they say it's, you know, a really high percentage of fat, like a pretty small or moderate percentage of protein and then almost no carbs. So that's what I'm doing, but I haven't lost a pound. It's only been like nine days. Um, well, I don't know. I don't weigh myself, but it doesn't feel like I have. The thing is, though, I feel like I have a lot of energy on it, which I like. And I even tried intermittent fasting on it, which also gave me a lot of energy. But I'm just not dropping the pounds. And I think it's probably the butter. I really have to I really have to look inside myself and blame it on that. But of course, I honed it. I, like, I wanted to lose a little weight. Of course, I honed it on the diet that advocated cheese and butter and sour cream and all my favorite things in the world. But... Uh, I don't know. Maybe that was a slippery slope. Maybe I should have gone in a totally different direction because I think I'm using and abusing the high fat portion of the diet. Guys, give me some tips. DM me on Instagram or email me. Instagram is at Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L-N-O-B-R-I-E-N. Reads is Rachel Nobrian. And just let me know. Like, maybe if you're an expert, could you just send me like what your meal plan, what you do is? And, I, and I'd be down to try that for a few days. And then I'll know if what I was doing was wrong. Help a sister out. Um, I did get, like, I think what's called the keto flu at first because I was getting, like, night sweats at first. And so I think that means I was in ketosis for a hot second. But I don't know. I may have sabotaged it. Who knows? Guys, come and see some upcoming shows. 2019 is filled with, well, early 2019 so far, filled with some awesome shows. I can't wait to see and meet you guys at. I will be at Zany Chicago on February 4th and 5th. You can get tickets at zanyschicago.com or at rachelobriancomedy.com. Then I'm at Zany's Nashville on February 6th. And you can get tickets same, Zany's Nashville or at rachelobriancomedy.com. And then I'm at the Tempe Improv on February 20th. Super excited about that. Um, actually, this podcast will come out before my uh, Brea Improv Day. I'm also at Brea Improv uh, this week on uh, January 16th. Uh, January 30th, I'm at Levity Live in Oxnard. There's plenty of dates in between there, but I'm really pitching the Zany Chicago, Zany's Nashville, and Tempe Improv. I've never been to Chicago or Nashville. I mentioned this before in my podcast. I'm so dang excited to go. So also, any tips you have on restaurants that are keto-friendly, I guess. Hopefully, I'm still committed to doing it by then. Um, but see, the keto night's super easy to go eat out on. You just can't eat like a bunch of processed stuff. You can eat meat and fish and... They already put a stick of butter on the food in restaurants, they say, anyway, so check that off the list. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for listening to my podcast. It really means the world to me. And, you know, rating it five stars and leaving good reviews on Apple Podcasts really helps to keep it going and just means everything to me. So I want to thank you so much. And I want to keep growing this podcast. I want to put out more content. I want to get to know you guys better. So that's why I started a Patreon page. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's where you, uh, you know, you... If you want more content and, and extras from the podcasts you listen to or artists you follow, you can do that and you can connect with them more. You get behind the scenes access. It's really, really a cool platform. So I hope you guys will subscribe to my Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash be here. And what I've set up is 
So I get a lot of emails from you guys and DMs asking for advice and wanting to chat about various things. And I thought it would be cool if I did a weekly Google Hangout where we pour a glass of wine and you guys can tell me what's going on. We can chat about it, work through it, have fun. So that's one subscription tier. And then the other subscription tier is I will do a bonus episode every week that is exclusive only to my patrons. And you guys can call into my Google voicemail, which is 424 424- 465-2465. And I will read your voicemail and your questions on the podcast, answer them. So it's just a better way for us to connect and get to know each other better. And, you know, just want to keep growing this podcast. So I want to thank you guys for your support. So please subscribe. And I'm excited to hear from you. And let's get to my guests. Um, I'm really excited about my guests today. I have Matt Ingbertson and Jake Wiseman, the guys who created and star in the hit Comedy Central series, Corporate. These guys are super successful, but perhaps my favorite thing about having them on my podcast was how down-to-earth and nice they were. And they keep advocating, you know, I was asking them, like, you know, what do you think it takes to make it in the entertainment industry? And besides just saying hard work, they said just be really kind to people, which I just think is so cool. So a little more about them. Matt Ingbertson is a stand-up comedian who has appeared on Adam Devine's House Party and was voted one of Comedy Central's comics to watch in 2014. He hosts the weekly L.A.-based comedy show Good Heroin, which L.A. Weekly named one of the top best comedy shows in L.A. As a writer, Ingbertson has contributed to The Onion, McSweeney's, Funny or Die, and The Soup. And Jake Wiseman is a writer, comedian, actor who has garnered viral online and national attention as one of the best up-and-coming comedians in the country. His sketch group, Women, has gained a notable fan base and was named number one on LA Weekly's top comedy acts to watch in 2014. He was also named number three stand-up comic to watch in 2014 by Split Cider. And he loves cats. And their show is so funny. I mean, it gets a ton of press for, you know, being like a darker, smarter version of the classic film Office Space. It just, it's a satirical dark comedy about the horrors of corporate America. Paste Magazine honored corporate as the top show in 2018. And Entertainment Weekly penned a story arguing the case that corporate should win a Golden Globe. Uh, Their show corporate premieres its season two uh, tomorrow, January 15th. You guys got to check it out. And uh, without further ado, Matt Ingbertson and Jake Wiseman. All right, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really excited to have you. Thanks for having us. Yes. The apartment is lovely for everyone listening. Thank you. Everyone says that. I feel like really good about that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like also I'm a boy and anything is better than my place. Do you, did you feel like when you walked in, were you like, is this girl Persian? There's a lot of gold. (laughs) No, I did not feel that way. (laughs) No. I did think. But now you can't get it out of your head. (laughs) No, I just thought, wow, this place smells better than the average place. She really cares about smell. That's a good thing. All right. It's yeah. good. At least it didn't smell like food. Normally, well, I have also, a pot of stuff going. I, I saw your piece of art, and it looked like a bullshit inspirational thing, but it's a Larry Miller quote, mm-hmm. so it's like yeah. a kind of making fun of an inspirational thing to some degree, but it is inspirational. It is inspirational. And it's like, really yeah. great. I love yeah. it. I had someone... I, I listened to him say that on a podcast, and then I had someone... Uh, yeah. Paid it for me. But, yeah, I mean, it is a little corny. But it, but it's not. Yeah. But it's by a comedian, yeah. so it's like cool because uh-huh. comedians are less full of shit than inspirational quotes usually. All right, this is making me feel really good about myself. So good. You don't think I'm Persian, and you like you think that there's like no. this is this painting's multi layered. Mm-hmm. By the way, it says keep swinging with both hands and keep smiling and keep saying how do you like that? I'm in show business. And I'm never leaving. I like it because it's kind of weird that it's people wouldn't friend. know what it says. But, but it's honestly, cool. we should go. <laughs> let's, get, let's get out of show business. Yeah. <laughs> That's all well and good, no. but let's go. You guys are d- doing really well. I uh, wouldn't leave now uh, if I were you. <laughs> and do you feel like you've peaked? <laughs> Who knows? That's that's a question. Is like, will it get better or is this the end? If we me? leave now, there might be a documentary about us in 30 years. Be like, what happened to those guys? I have had that thought. Like, I'm like, if I died right now, it, there'd be a news story about it. Yeah. If you died right now, would you be on Daily Mail? Maybe. Huh? Sure. I think yeah. so. And I think, honestly, promotion, I think it would do great wonders for the promotion of the show. Yeah. If I died, it would bring a lot of attention to corporate. Do you, would, would you recast him? Yeah. yeah, I think I would. I, I would play both roles. I just put on like I, I'd like have a beard for some scenes, uh-huh. and we just do split screen the whole way. Yeah. But I, I often thought show, that fame 
Fame is basically how long you trend on Twitter as a hashtag after you die. That's yeah. how you can measure how famous someone is. And it's is exponential. Now. So if you trend for like two days, you were really famous. <laughs> yeah. Two days is yeah. it? That's, That's much what it is now. now. Oh, like, how sad. Think about David Bowie, I think, trended for probably like a week. I love him. But that's David Bowie. And that's yeah, like the biggest. Legend. Yeah. How sad is it that didn't Farrah Fawcett die on the same day as Michael Jackson, but no one really remembered that she died? I think that's not, that's not that sad to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, Michael Jackson was more famous. There that's you go. True. I have another podcast, and um, this is just a random tidbit. And Kelly Carlin, George Carlin's daughter, was a guest, and she told a story about the time that she had sex with Leif Garrett <laughs> in Farrah Fawcett's shower. Whoa. Showering, uh, using Farrah Fawcett shampoo, because she used to sell it back in the day, under Ferris Fawcett. <laughs> what what wow. stage Leif Garrett was this? Was this sort of like beautiful Leif Garrett or sort of like coked out for the 30th time, uh, like recovering Leif Garrett? I think still beautiful, but I, I know in the story she said they were doing drugs. Mm -hmm. So, but I think that she was maybe still in high school or because she was a teenager and gotcha. he was around the same age or maybe early 20s. What a beautiful young man he was. Yeah, I kind of forget what he looks like. Blonde, beachy, he, right? He, was, he just looked like a perfect California beach boy. Weirds me out when guys look like girls, though. I know, it's but a lot of people me. are into that. I think also partially, I think partially the reason is because I think a lot more women are fluid or bi than we ever knew growing up. And I think they're attracted to girls that look like guys that look like girls because it's kind of a gateway to admitting like, I think I'm also into women. Interesting. I've never even kissed a girl. I feel very boring when people bring this kind of stuff up. I'm just like, so many I'm women have. So yeah. many yes. women. Ha oh, I'm not fun at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never kissed a girl or a guy. I oh, refuse to. It's yeah. what they want, and I don't want to give it to them. Yeah, you want to play games. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're playing hard to get. You're waiting for the right one, Yeah, really. Um, okay, so I want to do a few quick fire questions before I start asking you guys about your career. One okay. of these I really like, and I've never asked on the podcast, but it's a debate I have with myself all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not, that one's not first. Uh, describe yourself as a teenager in three words. Whoever wants to go first. Insecure. Scared and hopeful. Do you need a hug? I always need a hug. <laughs> um, puka shell necklace. <laughs> That's so much better. <laughs> That's so much better. Oh, no, yours was deep. Yours was <laughs> actually but, more sad. But, but actually <laughs> says the exact same thing that <laughs> yeah, James really, said. Really yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. It's an insecure right yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh -huh. I grew up in Southeast Texas and didn't have an identity. Oh, man. Did you wear Abercrombie clothes? I wanted to, but my mom was frugal and uh, we topped out at American Eagle. Okay, that's fair. You yeah. Know? Abercrombie was a little too expensive for ripped up clothing. It was. It was like bullshit, but I wanted it so bad. It smelled so bad in there. I know. It was like, it, what like are you headache. doing? Yeah. But I went in there. I just went, would go in there and like fantasize about wearing the jeans. That's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now that you're successful and on a show, have you ever gone back in there and just purchased one just because? I haven't. And I, I, I think it would bring me no joy at this point. Okay. I think you should bring back the puka shell necklace. That's just me, though. Uh -huh. I think it would be trendy. Yeah. I think, um, what's that country singer? Kenny Chesney, I believe, still wears one. Good for him. Yeah, he's rocking it. All right, first celebrity crush. Okay, this is, a, okay, here's an interesting one. My big first celebrity crush, which I subsequently felt so guilty about because of the controversy around her weight, was Calista Flockhart and Allie McBeal. Like, uh, I loved Allie McBeal. I had, I like cut out photos of her and had like a little shrine to Calista Flockhart because that show I thought was super funny. Was funny. I thought she was really cute. And then all the news stories like a year later were like, she's skinny and causing all girls to hate themselves. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry if I added to this. <laughs> but anyway, Harrison Ford's wife, Calista Flockhart, was my first celebrity crush. And did, I'm wondering, did you ever tell like, girls you were dating if they asked you that question and, they, and you said Calista Flockhart were they like shit do I need Fuck. to lose weight <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I'm saying is I'm sure I added to the problem and I'm really sorry to everyone and Calista I hope you're okay yeah. I think that's really nice that you thought that far into it I, I felt unreal guilty because it was just like because to me, I've I've just had crushes on funny women, yeah. you know, and she was so funny and like, yeah, she's pretty, but it she's just super funny and I love mm -hmm. the show. And, um, and then it was like, she's the problem, which is so ridiculous. Just her body type. You know what yeah. I mean? So, but it was a, it was a nightmare. 
That's hilarious, actually. I, I think that's really sweet that you felt that bad. I felt really Most bad. Most guys wouldn't. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah, well, I was insecure, scared, and hopeful. <laughs> so <laughs> I was a different kind of boy. Mine was uh, Topanga from Boy Meets World. <gasps> yeah, I feel like that was I a lot of... a lot of guys, yeah. yeah. I met her. There was even an episode where she like had a makeover... At the age of what? Seven? How old was she in that show? Now that I'm thinking 14, back, why 15. did she have a makeover when she was 13? It yeah. was weird because I did um, Jensen Carp's podcast yeah. and she walked downstairs yeah. because she's his wife now. That's and wild. I was like, oh, every boy's crush is just talking to me now uh-huh. about cats. It was a very <laughs> weird was it moment. weird to see her like... Well, what I feel weird about... No, it, it was weird, but you have to play it so cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to freak her out. She knows... That every guy yeah. <laughs> like had a crush on her. That has to be so bizarre for her. But I had to just play it cool and not call her Topanga. You have to call her Danielle. Yeah. Danielle. She probably doesn't ever have a bad day because of that. Like if she ever has like an ugly day or a fat day, she could just be like, everyone has a crush on me. <laughs> everyone born from the years 1984 to 1989. <laughs> pretty good run. Me. Yeah. Pretty uh-huh. good run. Yeah. <laughs> Who was yours? Oh, no. You're, wait, you're Topanga. Topanga. Yeah, yeah. And then yours was Who was yours? Um, let me think. I think Matthew McConaughey. Sure. Yeah. Super yeah, hot. I mean, but now he's a kind of annoying. Yeah. You know but I mean, th- everything I thought was cool, like the all right, all right, and all the like cool things he would do. I was like, God, he's like so like manly. And now I'm like, all right, stop well, with the shtick. He's pure confidence. Yeah. Which is attractive. Yeah, that's true. He's like the most confident man. He, yeah, he probably really is. I, I remember hearing a story about when he started as an actor, like he had no experience. Someone just like liked him. And it right. wasn't like a... I'm trying to remember, he might have even been in high school, and I think that they just said like he was just so cool and charismatic. Yeah. Isn't that Harrison that Ford cool. story too? Wasn't he like the janitor or something? And it was like a carpenter or something carpenter. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but he's cool. I mean, yeah. who's saying Harrison Ford isn't cool? Not me. I just wish that he would stop flying planes. Someone sure. needs to take that man's license away. <laughs> that How many is times true. has he almost and crashed? cars probably? But yeah. don't you think it's like he has achieved the height of success so many times that the only way he can match that thrill is by flying planes and almost dying? Yeah, except for he's going to kill other people. Oh, I didn't think about you that. You know what I mean? Like, keep it to yourself, That's true. Harrison. I, I just, re- I just rewatched Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he is so handsome and dashing in that. I couldn't believe it. And one of the earliest scenes in the movie is him t- being a professor at this university. And I forgot about this, but the, the, the room is filled with women, college students, who are all like, the whole class is just swooning <laughs> over him. And one of the women has I love you written on her eyelids. Are you serious? Yeah, it's really funny. Do you know what really you funny. know what you just made me think? The word dashing needs to make a comeback. I think so and too. I think it's this episode of this podcast that we'll will do it. it. Maybe I'll, Hashtag I'll dashing. dashing. That'd be yes. great. Two dashing fellas. That'd be great. <laughs> That's you guys. Thank you. Have you ever watched an old like Going back to like maybe the 60s or something, I think I watched the original Oceans movie. Mm-hmm. How like sexist it was to the point where it was like comical. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And, like, I think the first scene is like women like uh, like feeding them grapes and just like laying around yeah. in, like underwear. Like, <laughs> it's people truly get insane. so pissed about that now. Well, what about every James Bond movie? Yeah, yeah. like literally exactly. every James Bond movie is psycho. Yeah, the world has turned a few times since <laughs> yeah. that yeah. era. Yeah, specifically recently. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. We won't get into that though. <laughs> um, all right, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Fuck, that is such a hard question because it changes for me. But right now it's Rolling Stones. But it usually, but I'd say most of the time it's the Beatles. But today it's the Rolling Stones. Okay. Honestly, the Ex- Exile on Main Street, the album over the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. It's like Exile on Main Street, then the Beatles, then the Rolling Stones for me. I actually don't know whose album that is. That's Rolling Stones. That's Rolling Stones. It's okay. really good. It's my I never favorite know album. album names. Totally. I'm not trying to. I wasn't trying to be cool there. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that album I listen to the most. But the Beatles are just like. They're just so fucking weird, and I love weird people. And the Rolling Stones are just... The thing is, the Beatles would be more accepting to my weirdness, where the Rolling Stones would be like, you're not cool enough and don't do enough heroin and don't fuck all enough people to talk to me. Yeah. So I feel like I relate more to the Beatles and in a way. And you're not feminine enough. Have you ever seen... I've seen Rolling Stones live. Have you ever seen Mick Jagger walk? Oh, just the most androgynous mm-hmm. motherfucker just, of I all mean, time. I mean, he's just yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, I could, can't move like that. I can't... Yeah. I, I, yeah. I can move like that, yeah. and I choose not to. I don't well, want to disrupt traffic. Uh-huh. Yes, and you also haven't ever kissed anyone before, and you don't want people lining up too much. 100%. You, know? so you got to work. Mm-hmm. You got to work. Show to create. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys heard, I wonder if I actually find a way to just play this on there. Have you heard um, Paul McCartney's new song? No. I didn't love it. It's 
horrific. Yeah, I know. No. I guess I, I, you know, what's funny. It's is, the worst thing I've ever heard. No, I was actually like, it ruined, it might've ruined 2019 for me. You like, know what a crazy thought I just had was I, when you asked me, I was like, I don't want to say too much bad. Cause what if Paul's listening? <laughs> <laughs> I did have Brian Adams on here. Once, oh yeah. So maybe okay. it's a lot, you know, well, I used to work at the chandelier store. Uh-huh. Um, and one time we got this order, um, from somewhere in like, like the Hamptons or something and we shipped it and the shipment, it wasn't good or something and the thing broke. And so we got an email from the people who got it, who got like the broken chandelier and they wrote to us, just so you know, this was for Paul McCartney's wife. Oh, so she's not happy with you. So St- is it, is that Stella? That's McCartney? his daughter. Oh, okay. okay um, okay. but, uh, but I think, <laughs> but yes, he is married to his daughter. Let's start that rumor. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, so I don't think, I think McCartney already isn't into me, so okay. I'm fine pushing it further though. We have the same birthday, June 18th. Oh, well you haven't heard the song. It's basically like, a T-Pain song. It's completely yeah. auto-tuned. Oh, that's I mean, sad. It's, it's really, really, really bad. It's shocking, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I listened to it. It came on my Spotify, and as I was listening to it, I was like, there's got to be another Paul McCartney. Maybe there's, like, a kid with the same <laughs> right. name. Like, this can't be him. Yeah. And then they do, like, one quick, like, kind of wings-sounding, like, guitar thing, and I was like, oh, no, that's the real Paul McCartney. Oh, fuck. It's depressing. I'll play it for you after the podcast. Yeah. Uh, are you a leader or a follower? Leader. I'm definitely not a follower. Like, like I feel like I'm so cynical mm-hmm. that I can't be a follower. Like, almost to my detriment. I think anyone trying to tell me to do something is trying to hurt me. Like, mm-hmm. that's like my instinct is like, you're lying, you're lying. Every government official is lying. Mm-hmm. Every self-help person is lying. That's my instinct. So, I'm not saying I should be a leader, but I will lead people <laughs> into the fire, but I will not follow anyone anywhere, even if they're like, trust me, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that. Not necessarily the cynical part, but... Well, I guess so. Anytime anyone's really into a thing, like, I think I don't like Beyonce just because everyone likes her. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just... You're contrarian. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. There yeah. we go. How about you? I guess it, but I have to say leader, even though I feel a little bashful calling myself that. But I try, But I don't like... Dashing and bashful, two great ones. <laughs> Both reindeer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't... Uh, I think I had a problem with authority as a kid, and I don't like following people. Oh, were you yeah. a troublemaker as a kid? Yeah, but not in like a... I was actually like fucked you up. You were like, a bad boy. I was a little bad boy. Ooh. Uh, I, I didn't get into like any serious trouble, but like I got... Did you sell pot? I feel like that's like every like no. young guy's like bad thing they did. See, that's why like me, calling myself a bad boy is generous because like I truly it was very tame. I, I never sold pot, but I like... I got detention a lot, I guess okay. is what I mean. I was an asshole to my teachers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was mean to my Hebrew school teachers. You're what? I was mean to my Hebrew school teachers. Hebrew school. Oh, yeah. Because okay. I just thought it was bullshit. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably is. Do you ever use it now? Hebrew school? Yeah. Every day right now. Yeah. <laughs> In everything <laughs> No, I do. it's all nonsense. <laughs> um, who would... Okay, so if you guys are both leaders, how do you... How does that work when you work together? Actually, weirdly, incredibly well. And we have another guy we created the show with, um, Pat Bishop. So there's three of us at the, at the forefront of the show. And weirdly, because there's not two of us, it works because it's like, we all have to agree before we do something, but we can never fully disagree mm-hmm. because there's always two people who at least agree. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, we, I think we, we also just have like a mutual respect, mutual respect. And we like, understand yeah. that we can't do it without the other person. And we just want it to be good. I think like in general, I don't, it's not, we're fair for, any comedian or anyone trying to make a TV show or movie is a narcissist. We're all narcissists in this room, but uh, we're pretty good narcissists knowing that we need the other person to be a good version of, of a public figure or a creator. So I think it's just knowing your weaknesses and knowing the other person can pick up the slack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're not going to shoot yourself in the foot by like screwing up your show just because you want to be right. And I also don't want to do it alone. I like prefer collaborating. I don't really trust myself enough to think that all of my decisions are correct. In fact, I know they're not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Same. Life is full of decisions, and sometimes it's nice when a quality brand or product makes a decision for you. Listen, I've gone up and down from being super curvy to less curvy many times in my life, and that's when I first discovered Torrid. And I know many people like me who have got on board with Torrid. Like, my best friend from high school was always on the curvier side, and growing up together, I saw how difficult it was for her. You know, regular stores never had her size. And when she actually did find plus sizes, the fit would be terrible. And I experienced that too. And it would look like it came straight out of a grandma's closet. It's frustrating, but 
then you find Tord and your life sort of changes around. Tord is a fashion brand for women who wear sizes 10 to 30. From jeans to intimates to cute dresses and tops, Tord is focused on designs and styles that fit to perfection for your body. And all their pieces are wear tested on real curvy women with diverse shapes and sizes because we're all diverse in shape and size and everything. A real fit can be life-changing. And you know what? Experience Tord for yourself and find out what makes Tord first at fit. And I have an offer for my listeners. It's awesome. Right now, just for my listeners, you can go to Torrid.com and use promo code BEHERE15 for $15 off every $50 you spend. That's insane. That means you can get up to $150 off a $500 order. Go to Torrid.com and use promo code BEHERE15 for $15 off every $50 you spend. That's Torrid.com. Use promo code BEHERE15. All right, last quick fire question, then I'll ask the other ones. Um, if you had to choose, and I hopefully you've seen both these movies, if you had to choose between Pierce Brosnan and Mamma Mia or mm. Russell Crowe and Les Mis to serenade you to sleep every night, who would you mm. choose? Because if you've seen them, they're both fucking awful. I haven't seen Les Mis. Okay. But I Have you think seen each of these gentlemen sing at all in a clip anywhere? I guess I'm imagining Pierce Brosnan having better breath. Okay. <laughs> Wait, to sing me to sleep? Yeah, every night. If you When I say they're both terrible. There is no way that Russell Crowe near me would put me at ease. <laughs> yeah, so I just think it has to be Pierce Brosnan because okay. he has those eyes. He just seems like he acts like a kinder person, kind of. Russell Crowe would throw something at me. Yeah. Though I think Russell Crowe is the better actor by far. Mm-hmm. I still think that he would... T- if he was in my room, I would be like, I have 10 minutes to live. So I can't imagine that I could ever choose that. Okay, cool. That's a good spit on it. So... um did you guys, when you growing up, so now we'll go back and start with your careers. Did you guys both know you were funny, and did you know you wanted to get into this? I didn't know I wanted to get into this, but I knew I liked making people laugh. Or like mm-hmm. around middle school, when it became apparent that I was not going to be the most attractive guy in the school, um, I was like, all right, what is my in here? And it was like making people laugh, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that I didn't necessarily think I was funny. I just knew that I was weird or it's like I couldn't really communicate in a normal way. Like I wasn't naturally that cool. I always had a lot of feelings and just was weird and I liked a lot of weird things. And so I knew pretty young that I wanted to write because I just loved reading. I feel like reading was like the escape from the stress of life. And I just always felt creative. But the idea of being in your own show is so crazy. Like you have to almost be a sociopath to think you're like, it's just so crazy to think you can do this. Um, But I think I always knew that I was weird and later understood that kind of figuring out how to be weird in a consistent way is kind of what being funny is. And so it, it evolved into that much later on. And then just sort of, I just wanted to do something creative because I thought every job besides a creative job seemed shitty to me. So I knew that I had to do something fun where I was like writing or creating ideas. Otherwise it just seemed like everyone's job is a nightmare. Yeah. Did you guys go to school for it? Like, did you know at least that early on? I went to school. I'll go for it. I did by like midway through college is when I started figuring out when I went to college, I still had no idea. And I transferred into the business school. I was like business. I think you can do anything. And then I got into the business school and was like, I don't like this at all. And, uh, then started getting in. I added English as a major and started writing after that. I went to school to be a writer. Like I, I specifically went because of an English program that was at the school I went to. And I never thought about TV and movies. I just, I'm, I'm, I was susceptible to that myth that almost everyone is susceptible to, which is like, it's just magic. You don't work at it for 10 years. You just mm-hmm. are a genius. You know, it's, it, it seems impossible to get anything made and understand like it's a practice you can learn. You go out there, you pound the pavement at like doing comedy or writing for years and years and years before you get a chance a lot of the time. Um, so I knew that I wanted to write and then I ended up taking a sort of a film class randomly at school and it became the thing I liked most. I was like, oh, I this makes more sense to me. I've always loved movies and now that I see you literally can make it with digital stuff, it's like, oh, I guess it's possible. I guess anyone who does something is just some idiot. Yeah. So I'm an idiot. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Thought, yeah. For years, I think like I, I just had misconceptions about what creativity or like writing was for a long time. When I was younger, I just I I imagined that to be a writer, 
you just somehow already knew how to do it and that you stayed up light, late at night listening to classical music, sipping scotch, <laughs> and that it just flowed out of you. And it that never happened to me, especially as like a 14-year-old. I never found myself sipping you scotch. You just couldn't find scotch. I, I really wanted scotch. you were scotch. chugging it when you yeah. got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, oh, you can learn how to do it. Or it's mm-hmm. like something you can apply, just apply your intelligence to and, and figure it out versus it being like a magical, like God-given talent yeah. or something. I think I remember thinking that too when I, I went to uh, screenwriting school at UCLA and I remember when I first started to sit down and write something, I was like, is this just like, do, do I have to get in like a mode? Do I drink when I do it? Mm-hmm. Is it this weird time? And then I realized like, no, you just have to kind of like really work at it. It's not, you just do it's it not over. magic. Yeah. Well, almost the skill that you're given is the willingness to rewrite. Mm-hmm. Like writing is rewriting. There's very few people and, that just are geniuses who can just like type out perfect ideas. Like it exists sort of, but so rarely. And that's the thing that's always talked about, which actually hurts a lot of people Mm -hmm. because it's like, that's the story. It's a hook, but really most people work at it doggedly, have good solid careers and like keep working. They just work, work, work and they always get better. And you don't really hear that story as much. It's not a sexy story. Writer you hear about is like, they were a drunk and they, they, they wrote until 5 a.m. And it's like, yeah, they lived these crazy, lives it's like no actually most writers are kind of nerdy and they don't they nerd they read a lot they write they rewrite they have success they have failure they have success they have failure yeah Mm -hmm. they just have a normal career yeah so what finally brought you guys to la unless you started in new york or somewhere else to like Mm -hmm. start doing this and say like oh i'm gonna make this a career i uh i went to i was in at school in uh, ut in austin Mm -hmm. and uh started doing stand-up there and writing uh for the humor magazine at ut and and just sort of like senior year kind of was like, all right, I'm going to move to L.A. and try it and do stand up out here mm-hmm. and try to write. My yep. goal was to write for The Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien. That didn't last that long. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very brief window when I had that dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just um, I, I when I took that film class, it radically changed what I wanted to do in terms of I didn't want to be a novelist anymore because I, I just didn't think I knew how to do it. And then. But I started, I had a few cousins who work in the film industry. They said they could get me PA jobs. I was like, fuck it. I'll just go try. I just drove out here on a lark, had no idea what I was doing um, and just decided to figure it out. And then like for four years, I was just doing PA jobs and then I stumbled into stand-up comedy, Mm -hmm. which then allowed me to write. It allowed me to understand how structure worked. And then I started, I didn't think comedy, I, I came in here to make like depressing indie films. Yeah. And then I ended up like in comedy, which was such a better fit. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea. How long did it, I mean, did you, um, I assume like everyone, unless you were like, I don't know, Ashton Kutcher, who got like basically discovered when he was 19. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you? How many years of like frustration of like trying to figure it out before you got like some sort of a job or wrote for something or booked something uh, as an actor or whatever that you were like, oh, okay, this is starting to become something. I feel like... I'm trying to remember when I got uh, Comedy Central's comics to watch. It was probably three, four years ago. So probably like five years into this. Four or five years in. You've only been here eight years? <laughs> eight and a half years. Okay, it makes me feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it took me... I started comedy when I was 26, and then when I was 30, I got my first writing job and all the, but what was funny is I was like, Oh my God, I did it. Cause I was working at a chandelier store and I was like, Oh my God, I did it. I got a writing job. And then all, and I didn't do a good job at the writing job. It was my first job, did a very bad job, got let go kind of early. Then my cat got really sick and all the money I made from the job I had to spend to fix her. Aww. So, but it was, it was funny. It was like, Oh, just remember Jake, you didn't make it. You have to keep making it. Yeah. That's what you don't understand. Like even successful people, they're worried about their next job. And mm-hmm. so I just had to keep fighting and then have little weird jobs in between. But it took about four years to get anything. Yeah. How did you get your first writing job? I went to the JFL um, Just for Laughs Festival as a stand-up comic. And that sort of... I had a manager and that got me some attention. And then I think... So I got some meetings. But then honestly, I think it was like uh, a friend of mine from stand-up recommended me to someone and I sent in some sketches and they're like, sure, you can do this. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that 
when you're doing stand up or comedy or whatever you're doing in LA, you're you're not just you should always be nice and also always work hard and always try to perform your best because you're not just auditioning for agents and managers and executives. Like you're also auditioning for your friends who are in stand up mm-hmm. who one day will have a TV show and they'll be like, you know who's funny? That guy. Let's give him a job. You know what I mean? So totally. and you really like we've cast a bunch of people in our show that don't necessarily have great careers because we know they're funny mm-hmm. and we've given them jobs because we've always liked them and we just got an opportunity first. Yeah, that's great. I'm available. Uh, anyways. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I just met you. Okay. Just joking. <laughs> um, do you are you do you guys have that mindset that you know like now you have a show that you guys created but are you the type of people that all right you got this thing but very quickly that high ends and you're even though you still have the show you're like well what's next what do I do that's bigger than this yes 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 for how not even quickly necessar- does that change it's very it's, quickly and not even necessarily bigger but just like I normalize it and then like, how do I keep doing this? Yeah. Cause it's like, it really is. It's an unbelievable thing. But first of all, there's so much content. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're world famous. You know what I mean? We're just like, we're on cable. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful. It's a great job, but it's a job. And the thing is about a career is it's 30 or 40 years of jobs back to back where you Mm -hmm. can continue making money. And what's scary is when you get your chance, you're like, well, I hope people like it so I can keep working. Like you, they're only going to let you make so many TV shows, even if they're good, if it's not a hit, Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know if anyone's going to let me do it again. So I think it's more just the other thing about it is like, I think because of the mythology of making it, Mm -hmm. you don't realize that you can do certain things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, now that I know we can make a show that we like and we think is good, what else can we do? Can mm-hmm. we make a movie? Can we make a successful movie? Can we do, there are a lot of things I'm like, Oh, now that I know I can do this, I guess I should trust myself that I can do whatever I want. Whereas before I didn't think I could. Yeah. And so I think you have to like gain confidence in steps Yeah. and just be like, Oh, well That's then interesting. Yeah. Because anyone who does something, I mean, there's movies that you hated that won Oscars, right? Mm-hmm. You could win an Oscar. Like, why not? People yeah. dumber than you have done it. And I always try to be inspired by people that are stupider than me yeah. who made it. Because <laughs> yeah. then it's like, oh, I guess I could do it if yeah. I keep trying. Yeah, might as well set your goals that high. If you're going to have the goal to be in the entertainment industry, you might as well make it the biggest goal. Yeah, and there's just so many frauds out there and so many reality stars who were who are stars for no reason. It's like, I could do it. I just have to keep believing and keep trying. Yeah. Was that ever your goal to be famous? My goal was to be a reality TV star. Yeah, but I mean, uh, now, why not? <laughs> no, I feel like Shore. fame is a really bad goal, um, yeah, except that totally it gives you some power. I think you... you almost want to be famous to famous people, but that's it. You want like famous people to be like, they're cool and smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you just, you just want to be successful and be able to have creative agency. If you have creative agency, that is way better than fame. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. How did uh, corporate come about? Like, how did you guys start working together? Did you meet in stand up and then start writing? We met in stand up and then we're roommates for years. And, um, during that time started making videos together and, uh, I had worked a bunch of terrible jobs in corporate offices and was kicking around an idea for this and started working on it with Jake and then Pat after that. Yeah, it really was just years of working together and like doing stand-up forever. And we are good friends, but we also made hundreds of YouTube videos, like hundreds of sketches, like every weekend, mm-hmm. constantly doing it. It's a lot of work. It I was. Mean, a, it's a lot of work. I mean, work. you guys just... I mean, it's not like whatever you guys got from corporate came out of nowhere. Like... Mm-hmm. Doing sketches, every hundreds of sketches is a lot yeah. of work. Well, and stand up five to seven nights a week yeah. for years. And so it was like so you get you, you do have a day job at the you time. have a day job and you do all of I, this I, just to get meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really just feel like I'm coming up for air for the first time in like si- since I moved here eight years ago. We're like I and this is not not complaining at all, but just like worked manically for like seven years, seven, yeah. eight years straight. And uh just feel like I have to keep going, but I'm like, okay, at least I'm not panicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, hard. It's, uh-huh. it's really hard. Do you feel like that's what it takes? Like literally working manically? Yes. Yeah. I, for us. Yes. I yeah. can't say some people would disagree and I think it's unhealthy advice, but I kind of think you only have as much talent as you have. And so the only thing you can theoretically control is how hard you work. Mm-hmm. And I think what people don't understand other people and how nice you are to other people for sure. Yeah. But I think it's like, if I don't think people understand how hard you have to work mm-hmm. to be successful. It is incredibly yeah. hard work. And when you're working that hard, it's so important to take care of your health. You're not going to be successful if your health is failing. And that's where Care Of comes in. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs 
right to your door. And it comes in the coolest, cutest packaging with these daily quotes. I love everything about Care Of. And, you know, it's the new year right now. So we're thinking like, you know, new year, new us, you know, it's time to take health and wellness to the next level. And they just help you do that in an easy way. You build a vitamin routine that's made just for you and your health goals. The coolest part is you take this online quiz, right? So Care of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices, and it takes only five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. I really, really love Care of, and I really want you guys to get on board. You know, because it can be so hard to find what vitamins or supplements you should be taking. You go to the drugstore, there's hundreds of them on the shelf. You don't know, right? Care of takes the difficult problem out of it. A portion of every sale also goes towards the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. They're just a great all-around company, and we all need to work on our health and wellness. And I'm so grateful for Care of. And I have an offer for my listeners. Take advantage of this month's special New Year offer for 50% off your first month of personalized Care of Vitamins. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code BEHERE50. For 50% off your first month of personalized Care of Vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code BEHERE50. Guys, the time is now. Let's take care of our health. This industry is fucked up, though, too, and there's just, like, a number of factors that create an opening for you and it's hard to, i mean for example like who knows if we had pitched corporate a year later than we did comedy central might have already been developing a show that was too similar and then it hadn't wouldn't have gone so it's like i think we worked as hard as we could and then lux came along and then you we just try to yeah, but you have yeah. to be prepared before luck comes in yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta like, create you your own luck be, yeah like if, yeah if, if luck came along and you guys weren't prepared then it wouldn't have worked out right mm-hmm. uh-huh. um did you did you ever have a time where you were like, I have to quit. I can't do this. I think everyone thinks that. I yeah. feel like it, it is insane to think you can come to LA and be an interesting enough person to entertain millions of people. Like yeah. that's such a psychosis. And even if you are brilliant, you, there's lots of brilliant people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you, it's just, I've just done so many open mics at 1am to nobody. And if if I thought I was going to make it at that point, I'm crazy, you know, but it's like, it's sort of like, I think one of the best ways to succeed in entertainment is to give yourself no option to do anything else. So literally just don't take any other job, like live uncomfortably until you make it like Mm -hmm. literally just make age out of other jobs. Like just like, I, I actually, I was talking to someone about that last night. I was like, I couldn't do anything. Who would hire me? But that's me? so good. Who the hell would hire me? I've been podcasting, doing stand-up. Like, Your resume's all fucked up. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. I haven't had a job. Jo- like, it's, yeah. No one's going to hire me. But that's like, good. This is, it's this or nothing else. You have to believe it, and you have to make it impossible. And see, the thing is, you know, entertainment's a little bit of a war of attrition. So it's like a lot of people quit. A lot of people go home. They have mm-hmm. families. Uh, they want to be around their parents, and uh, they want to have babies. I'm not likable enough that anyone wants to have a family. Yeah, no, it is good. <laughs> it is good. So you'll be rich and lonely, <laughs> yeah, and that is fine. what success is. Yeah, because yeah. then I'll keep pushing. I'll have yeah. more content to write about because I'm miserable. Yeah. But I do yeah. think it's a little you bit. You have to keep trying. You have yeah. to keep trying. Some people it takes decades to make it, but then they make it. Yeah. Do you think that there's a certain point where, like, you sh- that people should maybe give up? Yes, like, but there's no way to communicate that to somebody. Yeah. Really? I wish yeah. it is tough. How because- many years is it, do you think? Well, it's just different. There are just some people where you're like, you're not. You just don't have it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say if you've given it 15 years and no bites at all, uh, yeah. please go home. Yeah. <laughs> just do yourself a favor. Yeah. Like, yeah. make your family happy. Go live in their house and just, just, just make the best of life. That's mm-hmm. it. That's a pretty good number with with no bites. It's not like 15 years and like you've had some stuff that haven't worked out. But if you right. had no bites, yeah, maybe 15 yeah. years. Like, if you come out here at 21, you're 36, you can still have a decent life. Yeah. Um, just. Get on out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Go deal with, go, go, go get a bigger apartment for way less money than you're paying here and just live a decent life with people that are nice and normal. What Uh if someone's 36 and wants to just start for the first time in this industry? I say, leave whoever you're married to, leave your kids behind, come out here and do it. You're definitely going to make it within a year. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, did you, do you guys believe in like the power of, uh, either believing that you deserve something or believing that you maybe already have something or that something is for sure going to happen like way before it happens. Like magical thinking? Sure. No, but like, um, 
you know, when you were probably sitting in your studio apartment at a certain point doing open mics at 1 a.m. and writing and all that, uh, did you, were you able to envision, like, no, this is going to be something and I I will I'll, get to this point? Or was it just sort of... I'll, or, I mean, I don't... Yeah, I don't know how much I believe in that, but I do... I mean, at, at different points in my life, I'm like, well, I have to believe that this is going to work or what am I doing? It's complicated because I, this question is complicated because the fact is there are a lot of people who did believe that and it didn't work out for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is a little bit of magic. I think secretly in most people's brains that did succeed, mm-hmm. there was a little voice that maybe they were even afraid to tell people where they're like, I'm special. <laughs> and oh, like, yeah. and, and that they're like, I know, no, but I know that I can do it. And I think that is what most people have. Otherwise it doesn't really make any sense why you'd really torture yourself to yeah. make it and kind of embarrass you have, yourself. I think you have to have that voice. Yeah. Or just like, uh, being okay with hearing the word no and not having it necessarily deter you from. Well, I think also stand up yeah. is so good for that. And I, I, I think stand up isn't, necessarily something you do so you can be a touring comedian stand up Mm -hmm. is something you do that teaches you the power of rejection and it's like rejection is great Mm -hmm. rejection teaches you what you're missing and how hard you have to work it it makes you kind of like it makes you impenetrable so it's Mm -hmm. like we've been we've bombed so many times Mm -hmm. and we're good but we bombed so many times and it just teaches you keep going, keep going. It's yeah. like if you're an athlete at a young age and you learn the power of practice and repetition and just literally not taking no for an answer kind of, I think that's what's helpful. It's like, it's not just, you don't just come out here with an idea, take one meeting and we've had hundreds of meetings. Mm-hmm. One of them worked out. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now it might open up other meetings. Yeah. So I think it's really just a matter of like understanding how hard you have to quit and how many people are saying no to you you should always be learning from the no and learning how hard you have to work. Mm-hmm. It is crazy how many meetings you have and think like, this is the one. Like I sold a show when I was 22. It's such a random show that it was just like, I had a friend that was uh, representing the History Channel or something. And all of a sudden they wanted to make reality shows about blue collar stuff. And he's like, your dad is a lumberjack. What Can you come up with a show? I was like, I guess so. Uh-huh. And just came up with a show and they bought it and then they, it didn't yeah. end up working out. But yeah, like, right, yeah. Things like that where I look back and I'm like, there's been so many times where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll probably have something. Oh, mm. dude, like we've had, we've we've created so many ideas for shows. We've pitched and not sold it. We've pitched and made a mini pilot that no one ever saw. We've sold things and thought they were going to go and didn't go. We I've had multiple podcasts. I've done stand-up thousands of times. I've made so many videos. Uh, I've had a weird blog. Like, I've tried so many things just to get a chance to make one TV show mm-hmm. and you have to just you have to just do so many things. But that's cool to think about like that that be prepared like if, for my listeners if you want to get into this business be prepared to try so many things. Oh my do God. stand up like you mm-hmm. said a thousand times, write a bunch of things, pitch a bunch of things and one one will work out but you know that's kind of the but way it's it goes. all mm-hmm. teaching you the tools you need to then kill it at that one show because mm-hmm. then if you get that chance you know, all of so many years between us of like working and learning what we need to improve upon, you get a chance that when you get that chance, you better knock it out of the park. And that's when you have a career. So, Mm -hmm. you know, all those things that we learned, we were deficient and we really worked on and then we got a show and now we think it's good, but because we failed thousands of times, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's, but I think a lot of people don't have that thick skin and they're just, they're unlucky to not have it. You know, you have to be a little insane to keep going. Yeah. I think it's helpful if, like, like you know, you said you were insecure as a kid. You said, like, you realized you weren't, like, the best looking, which, by the way, you guys are both good looking. You should be insecure. <laughs> but, like, I think that having a childhood of that kind of thing, like, uh, I mean, I was, I was like, close to 200 pounds when I was a kid. I thought I was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Didn't had no idea I wasn't awesome. <laughs> but I think it took, like, having to develop a personality and having, and not having mm-hmm. everything just have yes. every person be like you're so pretty you're so great it's like 100%. i had to develop a thick skin by being just a weird kid yep. mm-hmm. and from a small town and like i don't know that i mean i guess like the popular kid often will maybe move here and then they get like you know like a marvel comic movie just because they're hot but i think mm-hmm. the people that have super lasting careers are ones that had kind of awkward childhoods uh, oh for sure and like i honestly have we know what to, we have to work for i have pity on young hot people because they're gonna yeah. start looking bad and yeah. then they're like have nothing to say yeah. and then like they're gonna get divorced and be confused and it's like i the people that suffered when they were younger it's like yeah they'll always hate themselves but they're gonna have a personality and mm-hmm. everyone ends up hating them like you, 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 you gotta comedy have, is yeah you gotta have someone mm-hmm. to talk about 
it. You gotta have. A, you gotta be interesting at dinner. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. What were your guys? Well, you can answer one of two ways or both. Biggest career highs and lows, or biggest like comedy like awesome moment or bombing moment. I like hearing people's bombing stories. Oh my god, I've just bombed so many times. Um, wow, I can tell you my favorite moment. While well, you maybe time to think of a bad moment because I've just bombed so much. There was one time where I did, Matt and I went to this festival called Hell Yes Fest in New Orleans Mm -hmm. and um, there was this heckler the whole show who was such a drunk little piece of shit. He was such an asshole. Just a young, like probably like 19 or 20, just a fucking, like 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 a young dude who just thinks he's so cool sitting in the front row, so fucked up, harassing everyone and then I got on stage and I'd flown to New Orleans. I was paying to be there essentially. I was just like, you're not going to fuck up my trip. So I just started sort of talking to him. I invited him up on stage, wrestled with him and then Coke fell out of his pocket and I found it mm-hmm. and I convinced him that he was going to go to jail because he was so coked up. So he left. So okay. I got a heckler to leave thinking that I, I was going to get the cops on him yeah. and it went on video and it Matt was, was taping it. Surreal, strange thing. Yeah, it was an is. incredible experience. So that changed my life a little because it gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, so that was the best moment. But I have bombed <laughs> so many times. And then also sometimes like sometimes you tell jokes and you're not meaning to offend people, but then people just write you like that joke about dogs really hurt my feeling. And you're like, I don't want to hurt anyone. Like yeah. I'm just trying to be funny. So I think it's not even bombing. It's when you really hurt someone's feelings mm-hmm. when you're trying to be funny. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I really just wanted to make you happy. Yeah. And now you're like having a bad night. Oh, I hate hurting people's feelings. Yeah. I don't even mean to. Yeah. Right after the new year, emotions are running high because we're always trying to be our best and do our best. And for me, when I'm feeling, you know, not my best, I always get out of a funk when I'm working out. And Beachbody has really helped me to get in shape even when I'm on the road and not I don't have access to a gym. Frankly, I enjoy Beachbody's on-demand workouts more than I do going to a gym because I try workouts that I never normally would do in public, like I really like the hip-hop workout. I wouldn't do that in public because I feel dorky doing it. And then I try P90X. I'm super into the 21-day fix. The instructor is so upbeat, makes me feel great, and just down-to-earth and cool. And you know what? You can find hundreds of effective workouts for all fitness levels, ranging from bodybuilding to weight training to yoga and, like I said, dance workouts. And you can customize it to your lifestyle. So if you only have 10 to 20 minutes to work out, they have those workouts for you. And then if you want a longer one, they also have hour workouts. It's really just an amazing, effective tool for anyone that is just busy, like we all are. And it's hard to stay on track when you have to go to a gym. And Beachbody has really made it easy to stay in shape for me. And right now, my listeners can get a special free trial membership, including their new 14-day results plan, where you can lose up to nine pounds, that's amazing, in the first two weeks, when you text BE HERE to 303030. That's text BE HERE to 303030. You'll get a full access to the entire platform for free, all the workouts, nutrition information, the results plan, and you're going to get super fast results, totally free. Again, just text BE HERE to 303030. Guys, let's get in shape together. It's 2019. Let's do this. There used to be this show called Holy Fuck that we did a lot at the Downtown Independent Theater that uh, Dave Ross ran. And um, it was like my first year out here. That was like the goal show is like, oh, if I got to do Holy Fuck, that would really help. And I finally got booked on it and I did it and I had a great set. And then like and it really boosted my confidence. And then like two weeks later, I did a comedy competition at the Gower Gulch. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And uh, I did the exact same set and got zero laughs and got like people. I could see like the dudes in the front row, like looking to the guy next to them, confused at what they were watching. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm a fraud. That is the insanity of stand up is you do the same set, perform it the same way. Some people are like, you're a God. And some people are like, you actually should kill yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. you should. Oh, it would yeah. be good for you if you did that. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst feeling when you get off stage and you're like, I feel like dying right yeah, now. But that's, yeah. And that's why comics go insane because no matter how successful you get, you can go on stage and bomb Oh, yeah, and at hate the yourself. highest level. Like yeah. Tiffany Haddish, that yep. story just came out. Which, well, how is that even news? Like, yeah, it's so it's dumb. So, people are so mean. Yeah. Yeah, I I had a... I wish I could... Ha- I can handle hecklers, but like I was at the Reno Laugh Factory and I did not handle this well. These guys just kept saying boobs from the... And I was oh, like... God. I got really mad. Mm-hmm. Like that angry type of like thing. <laughs> I know. And then I got so in my head that I literally walked off stage like five minutes before I was supposed to be down. I was just like, 
And I literally said to the microphone, I was like, next show I'll get my confidence back. And I got off stage. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I couldn't, I just couldn't handle yeah. it. I can, I like dealing with male hecklers, but not female hecklers. Cause with male hecklers, I know it's their insecurity. They don't like that a man is being funnier than them. Mm-hmm. And so they feel like they're emasculated. I think that's what's subconsciously going on. Whereas female hecklers are just drunk yeah. and I don't want to say anything weird to them. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. They're just being drunk assholes, but so, I have but no idea. They can be big assholes. I mean, oh, they're huge assholes. Female hecklers can be worse than men. No question. Partially because I don't want to say me. Like they're super offended. They're like, you yeah. just offended me. Like, yeah. And I'm like, oh God. And I don't know. Like but the dudes are just being annoying. Yeah. And the dudes are just stupider. And yeah. so it's like, and, and, but women i don't want to say something misogynist i, I just yeah. i just don't want to hurt them but i just wish they'd shut the fuck up yeah but i never know how to deal with them yeah um how how is it working on the show like is it do you literally go to work every day like this is just my dream or does it did it become a job is it now a job it's a job but it's like a great job a great i mean job. it's yeah. like writing each each step of the process is challenging and fun in, in different ways like writing is really fun you probably like laugh the most while writing the show because you're in a room with a bunch of funny people and mm-hmm. it gets silly but it's also brutally challenging because you can feel stupid at various moments where you're like why can't we figure out what happens next in this story mm-hmm. uh and um and shooting is like brutal because it's very long days and jake and i are in most scenes mm-hmm. and if not we're still producers on the show so it's like 12 14 hour days for 43 days straight and uh, you have to be you. Ha- it's all being fucking recorded, so it has to be like really good each day. So you have to like well, have then kind editing. Of vision. Editing yep. is laborious, but it's also magical. Every yeah. part of the process is extremely hard and extremely magical. I mean, the thing, what's really funny about comedy and entertainment is you work your ass off for a decade, so then you can work your ass off for money. Mm-hmm. You work yep. even harder once it's you get the job. Quote. So everyone yep. is everyone is competing so they can get jobs that, and then they never see their friends. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a really funny thing. But you know, if you live in a capitalist society, you just have to have a good job or you're going to feel bad about yourself. So I think we're so blessed to have a job where we're the boss. I mean, that's the thing. If you can be your own boss, that's really the best life can be, I think. And so you have to be on point, how you act, your mood. It affects hundreds of people sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's a privilege and amazing, but you have to be really on point. And if you're not having a good day, it doesn't fucking matter. You better be in, you better be nice to yeah. everyone. You better be really grateful and good, even if you got one hour sleep. So it's a challenge, but so is all of life. And I feel like you just have to just take the privilege and really be grateful for it. Because again, you have to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm okay. not pretty enough to just be a muse yet. <laughs> yet. You You're never know. You, I'm going to get, you, a, I'm gonna get much bigger breasts. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know what they're looking for. <laughs> don't discount yourself. Um, we're going to wrap it up soon. I just have a few more questions. Um, what's the best piece of advice you ever received? Uh, um, one that for, I don't know why this one just echoes in my head a lot, but is work hard and don't expect too much. I got that early on, which is just like, which the way I interpreted that is just like, just focus on your work and don't have too much pie in the sky or like, I guess it's good to have like big goals, but like it's foolish to focus too much on those. And Mm -hmm. it's better for you to just try to like hone your craft and be really good at what you do. Mm -hmm. Wear good shoes because you walk everywhere. Is that a serious one? (laughs) Yeah. It's better advice than you think. Interesting. Yeah. Do you walk everywhere in LA? Yes. <laughs> I walk yeah. everywhere. I feel like that's not true. Yeah. I lied to you, but it stands also, as my advice. Also, you wear boat shoes. They're good shoes, though. Are they comfortable? Um, I also think that something Matt told me, I think he was quoting someone else, but you'll never regret being kind to people. Like, mm-hmm. you're always going to regret not being kind, but totally. if you are kind, like, that's you're always going to be like, thank God I was kind. And I think people don't understand how far kindness can get them and how much less regret they'll have if they are constantly kind. Mm-hmm. That's so, great advice. I like yeah. that. But also wear good shoes. Like yeah. don't don't be don't like sort of like be cheap about shoes. Okay. This is really good advice. I'm gonna, I know it is. I might do a painting of that one. Oh. Good. Yeah. <laughs> With your name underneath. Um, what advice would you give my listeners if they wanted to get into the entertainment industry and have a career like you? Be prepared to work your ass off for a decade and keep your means low. And uh, because let's say we have a joke in the show that's like essentially 
I, I want to have, I want to leave my job, but I don't want to downgrade from a one bedroom to a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. Stick with that studio apartment. Mm-hmm. Don't eat the good food. Don't get super nice clothes until you get that job. Because once you step up to the new level, you'll never be able to go back. Yeah. Um, and so I think just be prepared to work for at least 10 years, live normally, live for your art. Um, and until you start getting those jobs, don't upgrade. I think that's pretty good. You don't have anything to add? <laughs> Um, I feel like, um, just be cool. Don't be an asshole. I don't know. It's like, I feel like it's hard to give advice because I happen to like, have ended up where I have ended up, which I'm very lucky to have done. And I worked hard to get there, but it's hard to know what anyone else is going through. So, I mean, work hard and be nice to people and try to have good taste. I don't know. And I'll reiterate something that, I said earlier is that everyone who does something amazing is just some idiot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. truly yeah. like everyone feels like an idiot mm-hmm. and, yeah. but, but there are idiots who do incredible things. Yeah. It's and good to know that everyone feels like a fraud. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. always uh-huh. going to feel like a fraud. And yeah. so you can do it, but if it's been 15 years, maybe go home. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's your hard line mark there. Yeah. 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell everyone where they, when and where they can see your show and where they can find you guys. You can watch it on Comedy Central uh, starting January 15th at 10.30 after Drunk History. It's online uh, right now on Comedy or The first season's online on ComedyCentral.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. At Weissman Jake. I also have an Instagram called Honest Couple. It's Maddie funny and I think you'll like it. Yeah. I think you'll really like the show, so you should seek it out. It, it is. Watch we it genuinely believe it's funny and good. Yeah. It really is funny. You guys need to check it out. Thanks. All right. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. Bye.